Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely and a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio. We are making our second attempt at recording this podcast episode. We are using some new equipment today, which I am still learning to use, but I thought I had down pretty well. And I would say it was going swimmingly. I was I was just about to start using the word uh, MC Johnston or Ooh, yeah. MC Wade yep. or Mixmaster Wade. And so everything was working like it should work with the exception that I forgot to hit record. <laughs> and so I apologize. It has been a day. Um, but we're all here in the podcast studio and we're going to be beginning our series on, am- or we're going to be continuing our series on anthropology today at, on the end of chapter three in Genesis, beginning chapter four. Um, today's going to be a bit of a downer. We're going to be talking the curses and then maybe murder. Mm. Um, but that's part of anthropology. That's right. Uh, what it is to be a human being in relation to God, in relation to one another, in relation to creation. I will try not to stretch this out since I, I wasted a good nine minutes. <laughs> I think we were nine minutes in before. Um, but I would say that we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. You can go to 1517.org and find out all the good stuff that they are doing over there. Um, would encourage you as well, make your way over to the bookstore and you can pre-order um, Michael's on any given Sunday. Uh, that will be coming out soon. Encourage you to uh, give that a pre-order so it will arrive right as it comes out for you. Um, and then also, uh, I would note uh, that soon Michael's book with Northwestern Publishing House will be coming out um, on the baptismal life, so look for that. That is not available for pre-order, um, but be looking for for that. And Wade's working on some stuff on Flacius. That'll be his next thing to come out. I have a rough draft done, so hopefully we get that published. And you are all over the place. I don't. Is there a place where I can go to find out what you have done as an author, like an author's page? Yeah, <laughs> so I would encourage people who want to stay up to date on what I'm doing to go to Michael's new Facebook page. <laughs> um, Michael is now a social media mogul. Um, he has a Facebook. I think you've started a YouTube channel, but nothing's on I, yet. I, I, yeah, nothing's on there. I've had that, but yes, nothing's on okay. there. Okay. And Instagram, yep, nothing's which on I'm, there. I'm, that's, I'm second most excited about Instagram because I am expecting some great, like, just, um, you know, beautiful shots, portrait-type shots of, of Michael. Um, <laughs> but Michael's also going to be, and this is what brings me the most joy, on TikTok. I do not have TikTok because I'm a grown man. Um, Jason, you said you also do not have TikTok. I do not have TikTok either. But I'm going to have to find someone who has TikTok so I can be following Michael on TikTok. Um, I'm expecting some really nice dance videos um, like <laughs> I see girls doing at the volleyball tournaments I go to to watch my kids. They'll be in the corner and they're doing the moves. I assume it's going to be dance focused. <laughs> uh Probably not, but I will work, try to work up some new moves. Um, so I, I'm doing this. I was asked to have a presence on social media. And he's being a good sport. I Just so, a good sport. Oh, so yeah. those who asked Michael, no, he has not complained nope, to me. Nope. I don't. Has he complained to you, Jason? No. So no. he's being a good trooper. Go I'm, ahead, Michael. I, I don't enjoy this, um, but I, I'm being a good trooper, and I'm gonna I'm gonna try to, I'm gonna try to do a good job. So maybe by next week I'll have some content out there on the on the TikTok. He is yeah. he is on and fire on though on Facebook. Yeah. Insta. I mean, he's adding hundreds of friends a day. Yeah. Michael knows people. I've I've grown in my appreciation of the amount of people that Michael connected. That Michael connected. knows. Yes. Um, but you can also go, so Michael's Facebook page is a great resource. Um I, in fact, Back and I had <laughs> I had deleted Facebook. 
um, mm. with COVID and the presidential stuff. I um, mean, I brought it back and then I had like a hundred friends. I was trying to keep it like just sane people, whatever. But I have to admit, Michael has made me, <laughs> I've gone on a bit of a, a friendly, a friending frenzy Did myself you? just yeah. because I'm like, I can't have been doing Facebook for years. I was at, I had a lot of friends at one point, yeah. which was part of the problem of what drove me crazy. Um, so I'm making just rash decisions rash now decisions. Of, <laughs> of, of friending. Um, if I have friended you recently, you are a friend and I appreciate it. But I, I'm still being focused. Like It's like I've interacted with you. I know you. I trust you. So it's not getting willy-nilly. And Michael seems to be the same way I've, I've looked. Yeah. I will say that uh, there was a time where, when you were in your most discerning, that uh, I was having a hard time staying on the list. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say there was <laughs> periods where I was on, periods where I was off. Yeah, it was, yep. yeah, it was a short <laughs> leash with, with with this guy over here. So, but but then we have the this author page that was created on mm-hmm. at the birdfly.com for Wade and his professional and all. That Michael and his kindness and made have, me one, and I have one too. We're trying. We are trying to be professional. Yeah, go to letthebirdfly.com, and on the top banner, you'll see Michael's name. Yeah. You'll see my name. And uh, and we've had a little bit of fun with it. Yeah. And we've we've had internal discussions about whether we make one for Jason or not. Right. <laughs> right? And at some point, we're going to have to say, like, here's the final author page. Like, I'm not going to go into yours anymore. You're not going to go into mine. I don't know how long that I'm, – well, I'm just assuming at some point you wanted to you, – you've, you've mentioned professional a number of times. It's professional. So, so it's some, and maybe I just say I'll stop messing with yours, and you can do what you want with mine. Well, what I what I actually said was we're gonna try to be professional. Okay, well then that's fair. So there's so a, some wiggle room there for this. A is the problem of when we're both admins. You know who's not an admin? <laughs> Jason. Jason. Yep. So I think we can really build him. And I, maybe listeners should look yeah. for that. Look for maybe the appearance they could. Of, they could contact us with things they'd like to know about Jason and uh, we can answer those questions oh. on the on the podcast page. Yeah, and so here, Michael, this is going to be a test. <coughs> Neither of us ever remember this. I'm going to try to look it up. What is our podcast email? I have no idea. I'm going to see if it's on the I think it's on the website. Oh, you go to our podcast at letthebirdfly.com and I do check that. I know how to okay. check it. I just forget what it is. So. Podcast at letthebirdfly.com Dot com. Um, so once again, we're part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. Go to 1517.org. I gave Dan Van Voris a shout-out in our first effort to record this, which I forgot to record. <clears throat> but great Christian ha- uh, History Almanac episode today. Those are like eight-minute episodes each morning. Encourage you to check it out, but on Gutenberg and his printing press and the Gutenberg Bible. I thought it was very interesting. Um, there's a number of great uh, podcasts from 1517. Um, you can take a look at, and I think you might enjoy it, but make sure you always come back to Let the Bird Fly. Uh, like us um, on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, um, rate, review, subscribe um, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're always looking for more ratings or reviews. Five stars are great. Don't give your four-star nonsense rationale that you give sometimes, Michael. <laughs> um, and then go to YouTube. We're that's, doing That's Ben, I think. Like, it can't all be fives, and it seems fake. You, gotta you have said four. this, too, yeah, though. I agree with it. I agree with Ben. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you can also go to YouTube. We have a Let the Bird Fly channel on YouTube. we got to get that linked on our website. Yeah. Um, we're sharing that, though, on Facebook and Twitter. We're do, trying to do two words to know a week, uh, theological words to know. Um, I've done some videos with Jason, and I've done some videos with Mike. Um, we're getting pretty good views when me and Mike do videos. Oh, <laughs> um, so that's been good. Um, so I think, um, 
I can only watch some of the ones with Jason. <laughs> make him feel feel better. Uh, otherwise, we might as well make our way into the main topic. Michael, could you give us our disclaimer? No, but I can. Oh, Jason, thank you. Yep, I'll jump in here with uh, this show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot, so approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize you're just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. And that's just me testing. That's what it would sound like if we were going to the free-for-all. So that was the free-for-all music on our new equipment, which I did live. That was pretty impressive. That was good. That was the first time you guys have seen me do that. Okay, now we're going to go to the main topic because we don't have free-for-all. But watch, I'm going to transition twice quickly. Jason's popping his head. I like this. Yeah. He's even in rhythm. And that brings us uh, to our main topic. Hopefully, uh, if this sound is better when we're done with this, feel free to uh, shoot us an email at uh, what's our what's our email address, with Michael? Um, let the bird at podcast at letthebirdfly dot com, and let us know. Um, so this is uh, we're we're using a roadcaster now, which we got a while ago, but it's taken me a, a little bit to figure out. Um, as opposed to the Zoom that we were using, this also, the good news is, we're going to be able to do remote stuff with guests out of town. We had one lined up today, but the weather um, changed his schedule and he was not able to join us. Tyler Peel was going to be joining us. We're hoping next week to have Pastor Noah Bader from Thousand Oaks, uh, Thousand Oaks <clears throat> is that right? Thousand Oaks, California, joining us um, if everything works out well. Um, so hopefully we are sounding better as we go. We also have a mute button, so when I cough, <coughs> what did I just do there, Jason? You hit the mute button. We'll have to see if they didn't hear that or not. Um, I can mute myself. So we'll make our way then here to the main topic, and we are gonna. I'm gonna pick up, and I'm just gonna read the promise of the Savior, um, and then the curses here at the end of Genesis three. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. <clears throat> to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Um, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of the life of life and eat and live forever. 
Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and, all the, um, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. The word of the Lord, and that then um, will be the basis for our initial uh, discussion today. Um, and why don't we pick up, I'll throw it out to you first, to Jason or to Michael, um, anything we want to hit on more with the promise of the Savior. I think we don't want to just gloss over that. Um, we talked about it a little bit last time, but obviously this is central to the scriptures. Moses is telling us who, who human beings are, how they relate to God, how they relate to each other, how they relate to creation. And central to that is this promise, the promise of Christ. And so uh, anything you guys want to throw in, the context of the promise, the content of the promise, how this drives the rest of the content of the scriptures, I'll throw it out to either of you. I would say <clears throat> as far as the, the context goes, I mean, uh, one thing that is uh, you, you can't fail to notice is that this is immediately upon the heels of the fall into sin, right? That sin enters the world and God doesn't allow them to just dangle. Uh, he um, goes to seek them out um, and doesn't seek them out just to um, rub their noses in it or, you know, make them feel bad or, or whatever else. Uh, but he's there immediately with the um, promise of deliverance. I think that's a great point, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry, I just wanted to play with some of the buttons. We have, we have one, two, three. We have eight buttons. Oh, you can. <laughs> I have multiple sets of eight. Okay. Oh, wow. Good. So let's just see how many you can use today. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> I have a point. Let's see what I get. Go for it. Um, it seems to me... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you said that. I'm teasing. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, it's about. Uh, it's gonna, after I get through this point, that will actually be appropriate. Okay, it's not that great. <laughs> but um, I like your point about he doesn't leave them like on their own, right? They do see that they are naked. We talked about that last time, but um, when God <laughs> commands things to us, right? Um, there's almost like a, a kind of an immediacy to it. Like not only is it right now, but it's also like there's a solution to it. Things are going to, from our sp perspective, go quickly or, or not quickly, right? But there's a, an immediacy with God. And so, for instance, he says, be perfect, then gives us the righteousness of Christ. It's not a process. He says to... Thomas stopped doubting and believe, then gives him the faith to believe. Uh, maybe from our point of view, maybe you know it may take a while, right, as you struggle in faith. But for him, it's a, it's a there's an immediacy again, even to the point of <clears throat> like repentance and being sorrow sorry for your sins. Mm -hmm. Like be sorrowful, be sorrowful, be sorrowful. In the same way, he he works on us through the law. It's not like. It's, it's a command that he gives to us and that we work on. We, we got to work on our humility. We got to work right. on our, we got to work on really being sorry for our sins, right? And so right. we got to be careful not to constantly give, give these commands without saying, but then God gives this to you, right? So he says, you have, 
you, here are the curses. And it's so immediate that the cur- part, one of the curses is actually the promise, <laughs> right? I mean, th- that's something that always sticks out to me is that one of the curses is actually a promise, right? Mm-hmm. And so, right. and I think I was just speaking about this at, uh, when we were in worship class today going through absolution and just how striking it is that the, that the, the pastor says, I forgive you. Well, why is that? So that, because I, I, because if you, I'm speaking to the kids here, you know, if your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you and you had a fight and they want to get back to be- together and he or she sent their best friend to say, um, you know, Johnny forgives you. Not good enough. Right. There must be an I forgive, right? And so that's what God does. He makes it so close to us. Well, and I, I like the point you make, Michael, as well, that, that God doesn't, and this comes out, I think, today in chapel. We had uh, a guest preacher, and the reading was from Joel 2, 12 to 14. And if you read Joel, right, this comes out again and again uh, in Joel, as it does the rest of the prophets. God never leaves us in our sins as often as we usually think we should be left in our sins even. Um, we sometimes, uh, when the devil gets a hold of our guilt, can feel like we should have to, to wait in them to wail lament longer than than God seems to say. And that's also why that I forgive you can sometimes be troubling. Um, I remember coming into Lutheranism from Catholicism, and this is one of the things that really bothered me in the beginning, um, was that's too easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and so we see God's going to give curses, but even here the curses, they come after the promise. And the curses are consequence of sin. They're... This is not making satisfaction. They're not doing penance. Right. This is what it lives. What life is like now in a world in which Adam and Eve know good and evil because that's what they've done. They've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Even even there, I think we sometimes miss uh, the additional gospel that comes into this. Um, we can read the end of uh, Genesis three, and they they have to leave Eden, and God guards it so they can't go back. And we go, oh man, that's some harsh law. That's not law. Right. Um, maybe you guys want to hit a little bit on that, on how even that, which seems like God is, you know, um, saying enough of you guys, is in and of itself really gospel. Yeah, I mean, that, that idea of kicking them out of the garden seems really harsh, but then God also provides the rationale, right, where he says, because I can't let them stretch out their hand and eat from the tree of life and live forever in a fallen and broken, sin-filled world, right? That 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 would be that would not be good. That would not be gracious. That would be that would really be that would be the greater punishment to allow them to live to live their entire life, or I should say, throughout the entire existence of the reign of sin, seeing um, hurt and hardship and loss and all of these different things um, that uh, without having any um, escape until literally kingdom come. Uh, and, and, the, and the great irony, well, I don't know if it's irony, it's irony in as much as like anything in Alanis Morissette's, <laughs> isn't it an ironic uh, song is irony, um, is that we have since then not stopped our quest to find the tree of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the fountain of youth, yeah. even with like transhumanism and stuff today, God, for our own good, is like, I don't want you to live forever like this. And then we, sinners though we are, um, then try to pursue means of living 
forever like this. And, and, and God, again, to steal a line that Michael uses so often, um, is saying they're built for more than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you guys have messed this up, but I built you for more than this, and I'm still going to give you more than this. And so this is where death becomes so important in Christian theology, and not just death, like physical death, <clears throat> when your heartbeat stops. Um, but there's a, Mount Athos has like a, a inscription or something I saw once. It says something along of like, die now so you don't die when you die. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ash Wednesday, which was yesterday, which unfortunately got snowed and iced out for many in Wisconsin, so that some churches are having Ash Thursday. Um, I believe if you're in the Milwaukee area, if I get this produced in time, I think Nain in West Dallas is having Ash Thursday at 7. I don't know, they think there's a 4 o'clock, too. There. Okay, so if you go on their website, you're putting pressure on me to have this produced by 4 o'clock, though. <laughs> I teach till 320. Um, but, uh, right, Ash Wednesday isn't just about being morose and morbid. Um, it's not just you're going to die physically, but that the Christian life is about death before death. Um, and this is even then the the baptismal picture, right, that we're buried with Christ in baptism. Why? To live. Um, St. Bile has that great book from back in the day, um, Dying to, which I really need to read again and recommend more. I used to give those out in the parish like I, crazy. I would, that was the gift that I would give all the uh, either high school graduates or confirmation kids. Yeah, that should have been on our, um, when we did bookshelf thing. Oh. Um, but St. Yeah. Dying to Live, right? The power of forgiveness, yeah. Yeah, this um, is the picture there as well. Anything you guys have on that that you want to add? Well, then just the picture of Eden and the tree of life through <laughs> Ezekiel. And then into Revelation too, like you get it, you get it back, but but not without the, not without the, uh, the regret of what you did. Yeah. Right? yeah. And by the way, I just you thinking about the text from Joel here. I was I was supposed to preach on Ash Wednesday, but uh, good Pastor Bordelin switched with me, knowing when we knew that the ice was coming. I will go there next week because it's a. a he had a very good sermon at Luther Prep, by the way. I I shared that on the Let the Bird Fly um Facebook page. Um, so he had, he had to do double duty that day. Um, so, and uh, anyway, uh, one of the lessons was from Second uh, Corinthians, I think. Anyway, it talks about uh, about godly sorrow versus worldly sor- sorrow. And, and, and Paul uses the word regret there a couple of times. And it's kind of interesting to play with. When we say we have no regrets, of course, it's a lie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our attempt at self-justification, right? But how do you get to the point where you have no regrets? I think... Well, only after Christ takes this takes this away, right? So, they you can have an Eden, right, where you're not you're not devoid of the memory of salvation and sin, um, but it doesn't haunt you like a regret haunts you, right? right? And uh, and so maybe that's part of it. God says, I can't, I can't, I can't have them be walking around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and life, you know constantly be reminded yeah. of their yeah right, you know that kind yeah. of thing i think that, that um, speculation but so we know that uh we've all seen like that guy who gets a tattoo that says no regrets but it's spelt wrong yeah. <laughs> i think that would be a great illustration of yeah. um, what life is when we want the tree of life still while while in sin um and uh and that becomes a temptation even in the church for churches to sell that um as what the church exists for and uh, the role of the church is to put you to death again and again in order to bring you to life. 
Um, anything you guys want to hit on? We talked a little bit, I think, last time about um, on the curses. So Adam is going to work the ground. It will produce thorns and thistles. Did. I'll let one of you connect that to Christ. Eve will have pain in childbirth. But I was going to say, did you, did you talk specific? How much did you? I, I didn't get a chance to. I listened to part of the, the episode Well, you weren't last on time. it, were you? No, I wasn't. So, um, so I missed. This dude took a snow day. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. All right, go ahead and ask your um, question. So uh, the, with the talking about the immediacy of stuff, you know, the idea of the um, the promise specifically connecting to anthropology in a way, right? Did you, yeah. did you get into that? With um, we Christ? did a little bit relationally, okay. but go ahead with what you're thinking because I don't think we we went where you're going. I was yeah. going to give you a sad trombone, but I think you're about to make a good point, so I, I won't give you that sound effect. Where, <clears throat> you know, so he says that, uh, in this curse, you know, speaking of the deliverance and the Savior, right, you know, the idea that um, that this deliverer, the, the one who crushes the serpent, will be, you know, an offspring of the woman, right? So, so this idea of um, the, this deliverer that God would send, he's going to send into humanity, right? Um, and, and for the purpose of then redeeming the fallen humanity. And so, I th- and, and that idea of talking about drawing near and the immediacy of this and, and all that other, I mean, it's, it's hard to get much more immediate in a sense than that, right? Yeah. Much more imminent than that of, you know, the, the, the God of holiness and justice and, you know, perfect righteousness drawing near, so near that he becomes one with us to provide what we need and to bring that deliverance. So no, uh, and I think that's good, and, and maybe this is a chance for you or Michael to unpack a little. I would say in Lutheran theology, this is the kind of thing, when you're reading the scriptures or listening to them with Lutheran eyes or ears, um, that stands out um, as something that fits very well with our emphasis on the incarnational and sacramental. Yeah. Um, that God doesn't give a promise that's just ethereal, or an abstraction, but that literally has meat on it um, and is um, concrete. Uh, and part of what um working on the fallacious biography or Flatius biography, as Michael referenced, uh, um, the Eisenach sentence is a big deal, and someday we're going to do an episode on this. But there's this debate. Can you say that good works are necessary for salvation abstractly? And... Flacius is a Melanchthonian here, <clears throat> and, and most of the people of the Eisenach Synod are going to say, yeah, you can say it abstractly, but you shouldn't say it. <laughs> um, Amsdorf and a few others are going to say, Amsdorf signs it, but then he's like, I shouldn't have. And he's going to say, um, no, you can't even say that, because Amsdorf's always going to emphasize theology is concrete. Now, there's reasons to take either side in this, so let's not make that the side note. But <clears throat> as I've been working through that, um, and I think there's a journal article in there at some point. Um, no, it's that interesting. Um, in theology, we can sometimes want to play with abstractions. What can, can you abstractly say this? And there are times you have to do that. And there are things we can only understand abstractly. But Amsdorf, right or wrong, when he's getting at it, is like, abstractions don't preach. Um, and maybe here we see that with this promise. Um, God doesn't give them a formula. He, he doesn't say, here's something to think on and unpack. He gives them a promise that's going to come flesh and blood 
and, and do concrete things. Uh, any thoughts? Am I off on that, on the incarnational or the sacramental, maybe that we want to draw out? <clears throat> no, I think we need to, I, as you know, I beat that drum um, mm-hmm. because... There, you, oh, wait, let me... Thanks. And um, <laughs> um, think about it this way. If, if I would ask a, a person in the modern Western world, you know, you had to pick a, uh, a part of your body, let's keep this clean, about where you are. When you say let's keep this clean, can I ask, are you speaking primarily to Jason or me? <laughs> Jason. And, uh, <laughs> I thought so. So, like, if you had to put where is your being, if you want to use soul or whatever, uh, and people would say the brain, mm-hmm. right, right? But that's not always probably the answer that the ancients would give, right? Be the and, bowels. Yeah. yeah, and so this is a significant thing, right, that if we primarily, as you say, primarily, primarily think of ourselves as, uh, you know, a thinking thing or however you want to put it, uh, that that does change the way we, we look at Scripture, in a very profound way, and and the sacraments, both so both the incarnation and the sacramental nature of God, and this is why, eventually, in this series of anthropology, I do want to go through like, what happens if we primarily see of ourselves as consumers? But even, you know, we could all say, yeah, yeah, that's bad, but what if we primarily think of ourselves as learners, as students? What if we primarily think of ourselves as producers? What if I mean, all of them have good, bad, and probably ugly as well, right? And I think this is a real good exercise, once again, to say, you know, who, who are you and who, am, who is Christ in flesh and what is the relationship there? And um, you, you may, if you're a primarily consumer, your church probably is going to look that way. Yep. If you're primarily a learner, your church is probably going to look that way. I think a lot of New England churches that looked primarily like a, yeah. or a learner Univ- or, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So, or you know, we don't have to get into the to the mega selling selling the gospel in the mega church or whatever. But uh, if you're primarily a sufferer, right? That's that can be good, bad, and, and absurd, right? So, uh, I, th- I I think yeah, your point's well taken there. I think uh, we really should apologize. You know, you said to keep it clean, and right away Wade went to the bowels. I mean, right away. I mean, there was but this is, I mean, you read the right? ancients and the Greeks. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. I mean, you can't read Homer and not, there is something that's kind of coming, and in the guts, right? And Jesus has compassion, splatinism, his guts yeah. turn. Yep. You know, the Greeks struggle with this of like, why are Agamemnon and Achilles doing things that aren't rational? Well, it's these, the gods, the goddesses are coming in like inhabiting their guts and driving them to action. Um, and there's something, they're on to something. It bothered them a lot, especially later when Plato and Aristotle largely are going to say, we're primarily rational. If you just give people information, they'll do the right thing. And then Kierkegaard has a field day <laughs> with that, you know, because we, al- we almost always know the right thing. We just don't want to do it. Right. And so he's going to say the issue is the will. Um, but yeah, I think there's, there's a lot in there. Um, we've got about eight minutes. Uh, I would like to talk the curses here a little bit specifically. I'll throw out what comes to my mind first with the curses, and then I'll throw it to you guys. Both of these, these, both of these curses um, can be tied to Christ in a pretty fantastic yeah, way. Yeah. Um, and so maybe if we start with that, and then we can get to whatever um, you want to add. And Michael, you might have something here on the idea of, of work and work and vocation, right? Work is now going to be 
work in the fallen sense yeah. to some degree for Adam. But um, Adam is going to work the ground and it will produce thorns and thistles and Christ will come and he will be crowned with Adam's curse. Yeah. He will wear a crown of thorns, which is a powerful statement. And some of the church fathers have a feast day too with the Golgotha, the place of the skull. Imagining this as like a symbol of Adam's skull and Christ trickles down from his brow, right? <clears throat> Pierced with Adam's thorns and redeems Adam, which uh, it's fun. I like it. It's, it's good fun. Po- it's good poetry. And yep. then um, that uh, the woman will have pain in, in childbirth, um, a reminder that the Messiah would be born of woman and would yep. come through woman. And Paul will say later, um, women will be saved by childbirth. And yep. I think the the most, the best interpretation of that verse is that it's in Christ, right? That they, yep. in the giving of birth, it's, but that... There's, we, a, there's a curse and honor all wrapped up in one. Right. And... Um, and so lest we just take the curses and say, oh, the world's so bad, now it's fallen. It is, and sometimes work is not fun. I came in, and I made work not fun for these guys right away, <laughs> and it was already not fun for me. Um, and, and I don't even have a job. I have a call, uh-huh. right? But we can, um, it, these, there's thorns and thistles. Um, anyone who's seen a childbirth knows there's pain in childbirth, but also the great joy that follows that pain, which is also uh, something about, God's still giving good gifts in a, yeah. in a fallen world. But I'll, maybe if I just toss the curses to you guys, see what comes out to you, and let's at least wrap up that with chapter 3 today. Well, I think that this is, this is something that is in our culture right now, and that is, uh, as, as workers, I think rightfully, um, are kind of standing up in a roundabout way for their rights, although I think union rights, those are maybe some... Those are great rights. Yeah, they're... they're <laughs> in this... They are hard-fought. Outdated uh, in the sense of that those words come with baggage. What I mean by this is, is something like going on right now where, you know, coming out of COVID, uh, people are like, I would prefer to work this way, and I have choices here, Right. And so, a God forbid, workers have choices, yeah. Michael. So, uh, oh no, I'm I'm saying this is a good thing. Oh, it's just happening in a capitalistic way and not a Marxist way. No, yeah. I, that's I, <laughs> I'm I. That's neither here nor there. Or or <laughs> you have this idea that's always been floating around. Uh, in in the modern late mo- modern world, but is maybe spoken out loud today more. And that is. Childbearing is something that becomes a prison, right? And it's and not just childbearing, but even having ch- children. Yeah, it's a sickness, it's a disease. Yeah. That kind of that th- that kind of language is out there, and, and we treat it. I mean, we do medically treat yeah. it that way too. So. And so, when you look at these these two very fundamental things, work and 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 the life cycle, and how easily we can just go down the road of curse and give up and destroy ourselves rather than to say that both work and both child uh, childbearing are beautiful, good, wonderful things. It's the sin that's the problem. Yeah, both of these things were intended before the fall. Yeah. Right? Be fruitful, multiplies before the fall. Garden is created for him to tend it before the fall. Yeah. And and not childbearing, but will be per- in heaven. Right? Oh, will okay, be in heaven. Yeah, I thought you were talking about first person. Yeah. So... Um, so when you think about your Sabbath rest in heaven, think about it as a sabbatical. You're not resting from exerting yourself. You're resting from the pressures and the um, 
the pitfalls, the thorns of everyday work, so you can flourish to be what you were. And, I, and this is hit home. Uh, do we have enough time? Yeah. Um, I've been working with the Merrill Center and doing an online course for people in uh, kingdom workers that do uh, Christian health ministries. So we have people in Africa and stuff like that. And one of the African pastors were going through the idea of vocation. And I make a point in the book to say, this is all cute, this idea of vocation, if you're a middle-class white American that has some choices. Right. Uh, and But to think about that person who is a subsistence farmer in a third-world country, that would have been a great engineer. With no social safety net. And no, no ability to, to uh, grow into that or whatever. And to say, that person's work matters right now, but I imagine that they're going to flourish in a unique way in heaven. Yeah. Right? And I had a, a pastor from Malawi respond back on this online thing, like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. He's like, I live a subsistence life, my people do. Yep. Yeah, and that's really hard. And he was, kudos to him for not saying, this white guy is 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 trying to teach me something he has no idea, but he saw through uh, my my last name and my skin color and the where the publisher was from and said, this is for my people. Yeah, and connected to that, we joke about the union stuff, but there is like this anti-work movement kind of that yeah. got big during COVID um, where you almost get this, it's like this utopian sense of like work should not be work. Yeah. Like we should just get to this way that work is in no way work. Um, and I would say, uh, you know, we joke about the union movement. The union movement started because work was like way work, like people are dying. <clears throat> um, right, yeah. Um, well, yeah, we should recognize as Christians that we will never get to the point where, where work isn't work, just as we won't get to where, where childbirth doesn't hurt to some to some degree. And yet, as Michael said, that doesn't mean we, we don't find purpose um, and meaning in it. Uh, Jason, I'll give you the last word, anything. Well, I, I just think with that, too, like even as much as some of those things can be relieved different ways, it, they never go away. And I think even if you get exactly what you're asking for, if you're talking you know, from the um, work side of it, you're still going to, because of that curse, you're still going to find things that you take issue with. Right. Right. And, and again, that's maybe more the, the fallen side of it, but at the same time, recognize that, you know, like you said, that that's a good thing, that this is something yeah. that God wants in his. And in it his can serve a, a salutary purpose, yes. not salutary in the sense of saving. Um, but that is how God sometimes mortifies the flesh. Yep. Yeah. Um, that he's putting to death within us, uh, and so Jesus, when he says, take up your cross and follow me, um, a cross often is like intentional persecution for Jesus' sake, but a cross also can become any hardship that the devil can use to say, well, God must not love you, God is not good, um, this is this world is not good, and, uh, and, and that little utopian in us, God is sometimes putting to death um, through the thorns and thistles and the pain of childbirth as well. And it's maybe, you know, that your discomfort, your your challenge, your the part of your curse that then is also um, a, vitally imp- a vitally important aspect of service to somebody else too. Yeah, um, exactly. So yeah, I think you that's... Died, died yourself. Yeah. You often live for somebody else. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Well, I think that was very good. I apologize to Michael and Jason for messing up not recording early on. <laughs> uh, listeners, let us know what you think of the sound. This is... I'm going to be producing this hopefully today, and hopefully uh, hopefully this worked. I'm saying a prayer. I should have said a prayer before, but I was too flustered. <laughs> um, but with that, we will, uh, next time, hopefully Noah Bader will be, Pastor Noah Bader will be joining us to talk Genesis 4. 
We're going to get to the first homicide. So if you like true crime, <laughs> we're going to be a true crime podcast next episode, a CSI type thing. Um, but otherwise, we wish you have a great day. And even in this Lenten season, in this season of repentance, we pray that you will join us in letting the bird fly.